This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Is there something interfering with your happiness or preventing you from achieving your goals? For me personally, I know I've talked a lot about my mental health on the podcast and how it's something that I work on every single day in so many different ways to navigate and achieve all of the things that I'm set out to achieve. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. It's not a crisis line, it's not self-help, it's professional counseling done securely online. There's a broad range of expertise in BetterHelp's counselor network, which may not be locally available in many areas. The service is available for clients worldwide. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your counselor. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses, plus you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room like you would with traditional therapy. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. It's more affordable than traditional online counseling and financial aid is available. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. And my listeners get a special offer for 10% off your first month. Go to trybetterhelp.com enough. That's trybetterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash enough. Freedom Digital Media presents the Enough Podcast by Anna Laramore, helping the modern millennial woman rediscover her worth and identify her boundaries in business, relationships, friendships, and more. Hello, everybody. Thank you for tuning into the Enough Podcast. I'm your host, Anna Laramore, and we are so excited to be here today for episode 22. If you listened to our last episode, you know that we had an in-studio guest, and we also had Camille, one of my interns, joining us in studio. And we had a really important conversation about what's going on in our world right now. So to keep that at the forefront, I didn't do the show's traditional format of personal life updates or an intro or a closer or anything like that. And I want to reiterate today that it's so important to me that we keep those conversations and those actions happening in our own lives, but we will continue to talk about a variety of important topics here on our show like we always have because I know that they are very important too. But please know that we are still learning, listening, and taking action in the movement, and that was not performative allyship. It's very real for us, and we are integrating the importance of that movement in our lives moving forward. With that said, I do want to let you know that today's episode is going to be old school in its format. It's going to be our traditional format today, and I'm really, really excited for the content of this one. We're going to talk about updates in quarantine. I'm excited to give you those. I'm going to give you the free Britney tea that you've been looking for. I'm wearing one of my Britney shirts right now. Jordan and I just kind of talked about what we're going to be discussing today ahead of time, so we're really excited to get into that. We have a guest calling in for an interview that we are so excited about, so Let's get to it. Jordan, what is up? How are you? How has quarantine been going for you since we last talked about it? Yeah, hi. Um, It has been going. uh, It's been going pretty well. Uh, We have really been still staying at our house most of the time. I know I I personally am kind of like nervous that some stuff is starting to get lifted and like dining. So I'm definitely not ready to start doing like indoor dining at any time soon or anything like that. So yeah, we've been still cooking, baking. I've been doing some more puzzles and trading with like my aunt and like friends of mine. So like I slowly take over our kitchen dining room table. Um, yeah, we've been trying to do hiking more. I've been kind of running in more remote areas of the, of the city. Um, yeah, doing what I can to not totally lose my mind. My garden is growing, so, and I've just really, 
added a lot of plants to my house. I kind of got a little in over my head, to be perfectly honest. Okay, so you just said so many things that I wanted to do in quarantine but didn't get around to. Baking, I never made banana bread. Wanted to make banana bread. Um, Gardening, I did a little bit of gardening in the front of my house. Didn't do Mm -hmm. any in the back of my house. I did just get some indoor plants. Nice. Um, What else? Hiking, we have been hiking. Yeah. Um, Puzzles. That's what you just said. Yeah. I, we never did a puzzle. And he, Devin has been wanting to do a puzzle, or he did when it was cold. Mm-hmm. Um, now he doesn't even want to be inside anymore. Just, we, you know, we sit on the roof or whatever. Right. But um, we never did a puzzle. I feel like that's such a cute quarantine activity. Well, yeah, it's, it's such a give and take because Nick is not the biggest fan of puzzles, so it's just me doing them on my own. Um, but, yeah, I, will, I do slowly. I have a habit of really taking over all the space available to me and just I'll just start sliding his laptop further and further towards the edge of the table so I have more room to work. Uh, yeah, I mean, I have, I'm always kind of like crafting or like doing something. Like I like, I, I like baking, so I just kind of try different things and trying to do different bakes uh, to, like overall. So I've kind of been trying to use the time to one, take care of myself, two, stay busy and and just, yeah. Stay occupied. Yeah, I feel like I need to do some of those quarantine things that I haven't done because it's almost like a bingo, right? Well, yeah. It's like, have you made banana bread? <laughs> have you made a TikTok? Yeah, well, TikTok is, yeah, TikTok is one I I, I see. I, I, I experience. I'm, I'm a lot on, like, you know, on social media. I, I absorb a lot. I don't really put out a ton kind of thing. Right. So, um, but, yeah, I mean, and it's always one of those things. It's like I always feel like I, I didn't realize how much I've been doing since saying it out loud, but it's always that, like, Oh, I should be doing this instead. I should be doing that. But I mean, it's okay. I, I've really it's kind more of more than okay. Yeah, I've really started to come to terms. It's like, okay, I'm running two, three miles. I'm not running seven, and that's okay, kind of and thing. And I'm running like, zero, so that's amazing. <laughs> no, but you've you know? been doing some workouts I and have, stuff. And we're going to talk about that. All right, we're going to talk about that. Wonderful. Um, what I first want to talk about in my quarantine update, though, is Devin. Um, Devin and I are so great. Good. And I want to talk about him a little bit, A, just because, like, I love him and I love talking (laughs) about him. But I've noticed that people were concerned, which is so funny, um, that people even care. But I've noticed that people were concerned about our relationship because I don't post about him a ton on Instagram. So I posted a picture of us recently with the caption, like, best friends forever or something dumb. And somebody texted me and was like, hey, is everything okay? Why does, why does your caption say best friends? And I was like, what? Like, your husband isn't your best friend? This, I guess this person was married. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, to me, Devin is straight up my best friend. Like, we crack up all the time. We have so many inside jokes. There's nothing I can't say to him. I trust him so fully. I can be exactly who I am with him. I'm like, there's just nobody else in this world that I would rather hang out with. Doesn't matter what we're doing. So it really is an everything ship. If you guys watch you, you've heard that term. Like it's an everything ship to me. Mm-hmm. It's it's everything. It's all the things. And it's amazing. And I think too, it's just so amazing how in the midst of this pandemic where I'm furloughed and my anxiety's at an all-time high and all these things, I'm still the happiest I've ever been because I have him. Yeah. Like the good of Devin outweighs the bad of 2020 and that says a lot because 2020 sucks yeah it's not been the best Uh, so yeah it's like crazy fortuitous that you found him before and kind of had a nice honest I know I know you said you're like I'm not holding anything back this time I remember when you guys first started dating you're like asking all the questions and like having those conversations early which is huge so you can 
know that you'll be okay in a quarantine situation like this when you're only seeing like a handful of people. We could have had a better foundation to handle this. Like obviously, unfortunately, no one was prepared for this and that's another conversation. But um, I think we were about as prepared as we could be. Mm -hmm. And I do want to give some more context on the not sharing him too much on social media thing because I don't want anybody to think I'm being cryptic because I'm not. So I'm just going to come out and say this. Um, Honestly, this is the first relationship I've ever had where I feel like I have nothing to prove. And I mean that, you know, nothing to prove to the world, but also nothing to prove to that person. And just looking back and doing some reflection, I felt so insecure in so many of my relationships in the past. And now after growing up and having been through a lot of therapy, I realized that those insecurities were rooted in codependency. And I know that a big part of the reason why I'm able to show up so happily and so authentically in my relationship with Devin is because I worked through those traumas. And some of them are traumas that I was repressing, you know, for 10 years in therapy, and I, I still never brought them up. And I just recently started to dig up some things in my life that were really perpetuating my codependency problem. And bringing all of that to light and working through it, especially with the support of an extremely stable and healthy partner, has allowed me to just totally keep my focus on him and not on proving to the world that we're doing great. Like, yes, I do love sharing him on social media sometimes because I'm so proud to be with him and I think he's the hottest thing I've ever seen and I'm so giddy when he does something nice for me and I wanna show other girls that they can find their Devin too. And you know, sometimes I have funny things to share. I love when people share funny stuff on stories, but I'm so insanely content and comfortable with where we are and I feel like if I share, it's not because I feel like I have to. Like, I love him so much, it's crazy, but without a doubt, it's the healthiest relationship I've ever had. And I think to maintain that, I have to keep a little bit of that private and and keep it sacred. And that's been wonderful because I put so much of my life on social media and that's just not his world. Like, except for Blackout Tuesday, he hadn't posted on Instagram since 2018. So for me to be sharing what I eat for breakfast every day or my favorite eyebrow pencil is like bizarre to him because he, he recognizes that's just the world we live in now, but it's not his world. So to keep the thing most special to me, which is him, which is our relationship, just for me, for the most part, has been a really refreshing change from how I operate most of the things I have going on in my life. It takes a lot of pressure off of showing people that we're perfect because I just, I don't care if they think so. Now, if they want to ask, which a lot of you guys have, like, yeah, we're doing great. But like, I'm happy to have like real conversations and tell you we're doing great. Like, I don't need to post a picture for you to make an assumption. Mm-hmm. I see people all the time. I see couples posting amazing pictures. And I'm like, that's funny because your boyfriend tried to cheat on you with me. You know what I yeah. mean? Or, or all kinds of things all the time where I'm like, just stop believing so much of the stuff that you see on Instagram because so much of it is not reflective of reality. That's not to say that there aren't super happy couples posting beautiful pictures as well. Of course there are, but like you don't need to take it as, you know, take their word for it. You don't even know these people some of the time. Yeah. Yeah. And I I think it's such like a wonderful thing that you have been able to grow past feeling the need to share yeah. oh then everyone will see how happy it's i gross. am and how great life is yeah and i do i do think that's an element of of growing up and getting older um because i mean i mean i think back to like college that like if you weren't sending snapchats to people oh, and you like God, drinking yeah. like what were you doing right kind of thing it people was like people didn't such... know you were at a bar were you even yeah at a bar? it was like fomo <laughs> before fomo was a thing to a point that i even remember posting stuff saying if you go to a bar enough and you didn't pick take a picture of it were you actually there like right. that's like those, those are captions that exist everywhere right. so 
I, I think it's such a nice thing. And I, I think it's a wonderful mindset to, to, to not feel like you have to share everything all the time. I think, I think it's fantastic to keep an element of privacy. And, and I think it's, I think it's kind of helpful that Devin is, is like that. I so love I, it. It's a nice counterbalance because I know you're like crazy active, like posting like, like your makeup stuff and, and just what you're doing and like house updates and everything. And then between your own personal and the, and the enough podcasts, Instagram, it's, it's a lot. So it's, it's kind of a nice counterbalance to have him say, Hey, put your phone down. It's amazing. Not that he's not showy. Like he's, he's just not showy. He's authentic and he's genuine and it inspires me. And also out of respect for him, of course, there's obviously nothing that I would share on the podcast that I haven't already shared with him or that he wouldn't be comfortable with me sharing. We, we don't have secrets in our at home life is actually kind of boring a lot of the time. (laughs) So like, don't read into that too much, but I'm so happy to share some things with you guys. But for the most part, we're just, we're just relatively private. And there's, you know, a couple other things I want to share on this note. People will ask me like, when are you doing this? When are you doing that? When are you getting engaged? When do you think you're going to, you know, move in together? When do you think you're going to do this? Whatever. And the first answer is, I don't know. The second answer is that I think when you're with the person you're supposed to spend the rest of your life with, you're just not obsessed with those answers. You know what's going to happen, so you're not concerned with the details. Um, granted, I recognize that some of you are probably saying in your head right now, okay, Anna, you've been dating for less than a year. Wait until you've been dating for seven and then get back to me, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's not lost on me that that might be in your head. But I will say I have absolutely no anxiety about the progression of my relationship. And it's not an if, it's a win. Like, yes, of course, the future is so fun to imagine, but it's imaginative. It's not obsessive. So when people are obsessed with these questions in my life or in their own lives, I really want these people to take a look within and be like, why am I obsessed with this? Because I think a huge part of the reason that girls pressure their boyfriends into, you know, let's let's take this step or let's take that step or, or let's whatever, is because they actually don't think it's going to happen for them because they don't believe that they're worthy of it deep down. So they feel the need to control it and, like, take matters into their own hands and lock it down themselves. And it's like, don't you want your partner to want those steps with you in a time where it, it's their own idea and they mean it from their heart. Like, don't you want them to want things with you without pressuring them to do so? I just think that that's so much more special and healthy. And I I recognize, again, it's like, sure, it's easy for me to say that, but I'm just so content with the natural progression of my relationship. And it's so extremely healthy. Like, we've had conversations in less than a year of dating that I know people who have been together for 20 years are not, haven't had or aren't having. And I know that for a fact, like we talk about things like how to navigate the concept of religion with kids because we're not religious people. We talk about how to have open conversations about sexuality with kids. I know that there are plenty of people who are married and have children that have never had that conversation because it's their sexuality of their kids might be a problem to them, which is, couldn't be further from how Devin and I would feel as parents if mm-hmm. you know we had kids, which we do want that. Um, we talk about how to raise kids in a world filled with diet culture. I literally, I listened to this episode of this podcast, which I'm gonna tell you guys about later in this episode today, and it sparked a conversation with me about how to raise a child, especially a daughter, in a world filled with diet culture. And I taught him, you know, a lot about the things that I'm learning and interested in and passionate about right now. And he was like, super open to learning because he's not familiar with what the heck I'm talking about. And he's like, if that's important to you, then I'll make sure that's important to me. I, I can see your point there. Like, things like that. We, we talk about 
what we believe about money and our families and you know their role and a family we might create and long-term personal goals and professional goals and how to appropriately support each other in those goals. Like I'm so insanely proud of this adult relationship and the conversations that make this an adult relationship. And that's why I'm so happy keeping it mostly private and I'm not worried about the future with him because I feel secure in it and I know it's gonna happen for me and for us. So I cringe when I hear people freaking out about the future. It's not that it's not a valid feeling for you to freak out. Like, you know, maybe you're freaking out about fertility or maybe you're freaking out because um, what, what have you, I don't know. I'm not in your relationship. I don't know what you might be feeling or concerned about. But if you don't feel worthy, you won't set boundaries. And if you won't set boundaries, you will be waiting forever for your happily ever after. And that's why self-worth and boundaries are connected. And that's why they're important in every area of your life. Like I believe that I am worthy of a loving partner and a healthy relationship. And I believe that I'm worthy of getting married and having children and raising a family and having a career that fulfills me and having friendships that are good for me and lift me up. And because of that, I set boundaries on the things that don't support those goals and those visions and I'm going to have them. Like that's, it, it literally comes down to that. It's that simple. It's, it's not that this stuff doesn't take work. Like I feel like our love comes easy, but our relationship takes work. I think maybe that's a fair statement. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the Devin update I wanted to share. But I also wanted to say, I know when I started this podcast, I was painfully single. And I think a lot of people related to that and loved that about my content. And I don't want to disappoint you. And I'm very cognizant of that. So I don't want you to think like, oh, now that you're not single, like, I don't like this podcast anymore. I can't relate to you. Like, I'm still here for you because I still know what it feels like to be in your position because I've been there and I was there for a long time. So I just wanted to share that thought as well. That might be an underlying reason why I'm sometimes hesitant to share because I don't want anybody to feel discouraged, but rather I want you to feel encouraged. Mm -hmm. Like I want you to listen to my journey and like remember that I went through hell and back and I put in the work and I took accountability and I also had some faith because of my, you know, belief in my own self-worth and like I made it happen. So you can make it happen too. And I know that was kind of long, but I just wanted to make sure that I shared that because I know that clearly a lot of people had been wondering that because when I posted the thing about one of my friends asking, why did you say best friends? Um, I got like 10 responses of people saying, same, I've been wondering. I'm like, seriously? (laughs) You guys have all been wondering? So that's the update, the long version of the update. We're good. Our relationship is good. And it's mostly private. Yeah. I mean, it's a good thing that people like care enough to be like, hey, what's going on? I haven't seen him in a while kind of thing because it's always that like sleuthing almost you have to you, like scroll through the history are there still actual photos of right. him on your instagram right. it's like, <laughs> i'd oh be lying God. to say if i haven't done that um, with me no not with you oh. no 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 just in general <laughs> Same. no and of course i have you know what i mean like, yeah because no not... one's gonna be like hello world we he and i have broken up right and I like, just, of course like sending out a pr statement i'm yeah. not saying i'm above this at all you guys i'm just saying like I can I can recognize why you are maybe confused because this is this approach is not like me. I'll give you that. But like mm-hmm. I'm here to say on the record, don't worry about it. Yeah, it's all good. It's it's concerns are appreciated, but y'all are good. Yes. Yeah. Good. <laughs> um, I have a few more things I want to share 
they're kind of random before we call our guest of the day. But before I share them, I want to give you the disclaimer that we are not going to be talking about pop culture drama until the closer of this episode. So if you're here for Free Britney, which I know a lot of you are because I've been getting a ton of DMs about Free Britney, you got to stick around. So first things first, you may have noticed in the beginning of this episode and also on my social media that I have a partnership with BetterHelp now. And I want to elaborate on my personal testimony because I'm so excited to be working with them. Um, like I kind of touched on earlier in this episode, therapy is so extremely important and it's not just for people with very obvious traumas. It's for everyone because everyone has trauma and everyone has a family dynamic. Everyone has goals and stress and jobs and to explore what makes you you and why is such a healthy way to move forward through your life. And therapy is a tool that's helped me get there. So I'm loving my therapist and I would really recommend BetterHelp to you guys. So check out the link in my show notes and get that 10% off. Also, Jordan, you touched on this, and I'm so excited to talk about this just a little bit. I want to report happily that I've been working out again. Yay. And you guys, it feels so good. And I feel like the reason why it feels so good is because it's joyful movement. And that's a term and an idea that I've really learned and had reinforced from the Drunk Dietitians podcast, which I'll link on our website on the resources tab. But I've been going to yoga, um, which don't worry, you guys, it's outside. It's there's not a lot of people there. You wear a mask. Like I felt very comfortable doing it. Um, I went back to bar. There were literally three people there. Again, you wear a mask. Like it's so spread out. Um, no one else in the studio. It and it felt great. Like the bar class to me was the closest thing that I felt to my high school dance team workout in probably what, 10 years since I got off the team, almost eight years or whatever. Mm -hmm. And that's like one of the hardest workouts of my life. So like my whole body, my full body right now feels so sore and it's like a familiar sore. Like it's like a back in my groove kind of thing. Um, and Devin and I have been getting back into hiking and I've been walking a lot. So they say on that podcast, they say, if you were told that this workout would not change your body, would you still do it? And that, I think, is a really good piece of advice for how to find what you would consider joyful movement. Because for me, going to CrossFit is not going to be joyful movement. Mm -hmm. Like, if I feel, I like to be in competition with my own body, right? So if I feel like I'm supposed to be lifting the most in the room, I'm not really focused on my health at all. And that's the entire purpose of exercise, right, is to be healthy. So, yeah. like, that's not joyful movement to me. Um, and, and this feeling in my body right now, the way that certain muscles are sore is how I felt for, you know, four years on that high school dance team. And I love that feeling. So that brings me joy because that brings me back to a time where I felt really good in my body. Um, so, yeah, I, I just want you guys to think about that. If you were told that this workout would not change your body, would you still do it? And think about what joyful movement looks like for you and do that because that's really going to be your, your healthiest way to proceed with having a healthy relationship with exercise. And I think I, I was missing that for a long time, and that's why, um, that's why I wasn't doing it. Yeah, it's kind of tough, like, once you fall into a, a habitual routine of not working out to kind of break mm -hmm. out of that mold, and there's always those rough first couple workouts back in and you're just like oh gosh I'm incredibly out of shape so right like I like I went for a run this morning and I like finally after like weeks of running pretty consistently like I was like I don't feel like I'm gonna throw up like I, I feel kind of good about this yeah. right now it, it was nice and I, I don't know if it was because it was a bit cooler this morning than normal or what but like but it is it's tough and I, I think it's it's exercising and like move I mean 
what does Elle Woods say? Exercise gives you endorphins, endorphins make you happy. Like, right. <laughs> like, I mean, the rest of it doesn't really apply, but um, but it's it's good to move. It's just, even if just going for a walk, like I, even if I can't right. actually like dedicate time to like working out that day, just walk doing like a mile lap to a parking back is has been like really great for and I think for a too mindset. like like you just said start small like if you guys remember I think it was episode 19 where I was talking about my relationship with exercise was mm -hmm. really triggered by some things in quarantine and in order to protect myself I just stopped exercising and maybe that wasn't the healthiest way physically to proceed but emotionally that's kind of what I needed in that time like if you can relate to that just figure out what your joyful movement is and then ease into that like if all you can muster is a walk to the mailbox, okay, it's a walk to the mailbox. Like, if if your favorite yoga studio is doing, like, a class in the park or something, and, like, you have more accountability with doing that because at-home workouts are difficult for you because you have ADHD like me and you won't do the whole thing, okay, maybe see if you feel comfortable with their safety precautions and, like, explore that option. Like, you do have a lot of options. You don't have to be doing all of the workouts on Instagram like you're seeing everybody do. You don't have to post a screenshot of your orange theory. I admittedly, I kind of can't stand that. <laughs> um, like you just, you don't have to do what everybody else is doing. You yeah. can do what works for you because that's what's sustainable. Yeah, and I, I think uh, to your point, like what you said, if whatever kind of you find is the is the most mentally and physically helpful and and joyful movement and just a nice, a good way to go about doing it. Like, I mean, I have a, a friend of mine who lives in Philly that used to be my roommate and she and I used to work out in the morning together and now we FaceTime twice a week in the morning and log into like an online workout like class like the, that she has through her gym and we take morning classes together. Like, so it's, it's like a social thing for you. Yeah, virtually. exactly. So like she and I FaceTime, we chat a little bit beforehand and then we work out together and I'm like, yelling the entire time because it's seven o'clock in the morning and I'd rather be asleep. Mm -hmm. But um, but it, it's good. I, and I've, I've found using like social media and like Snapchat and FaceTiming, like if, if, I, if like working out with an account, like an accountability buddy or someone like that does work with you as well, I think it's also helpful too because then you're doing it with someone. You're, I know you said like such like an isolated exercising situation right. wasn't wasn't good for you. Like that didn't work. So I think with something like that in mind, I think finding stuff that works for you, like working out in small groups, like that's huge and that that's what works for you. For me, FaceTiming with, with one of my best friends and working out with her or if I go for a run or do a workout, I'll like Snapchat another friend of mine who's trying to like run more and longer distances so she and I are kind of accountable together so that's good. Yeah, and I think it's cool to have friends to do that with because I think everyone's trying to figure out what works best for them. We've been doing this for about four months now. So, right. And I yeah. think, too, the frequency is important to keep in mind. Like, don't feel, don't believe all of those posts that you're seeing on Instagram with the no excuses. I've been working out five days a week because I had time on my hands. That Okay, that's what that person was able yeah. to do. They're not you. Mm -hmm. Don't worry about that. Like, for me, on Wednesday, I did an outdoor yoga class. On Friday, I took a walk. Mm-hmm. Uh, I probably took a walk on Thursday, a little walk, but Friday I took like a long walk. Nice. Um, on Sunday, Devin and I went for a hike that I thought was really hard. Actually, yeah. I was like <laughs> huffing and puffing. Um, and on Monday, I went to a bar class and like that worked for me. It, that wasn't seven days a week of going mm -hmm. to the gym. Now that's what Devin does, but that's Devin. I'm not yeah. Devin, right? So just don't worry about 
what it is that you're doing, if you're putting it on social media, how many days a week, don't worry about that stuff. Like assess what is joyful to you and what your body needs from you and then go do that. Yeah. And I think that's all you can do is do your best, you know? So some other things, I have been listening to so many podcasts during quarantine. I know I just touched on drunk dietitians. I've also been reading a lot. And I always jot down things that I want to remember in the notes section of my phone. So I want to share just a few random things that I've written down that might resonate with you guys. They don't really work in like a whole episode um, or their own episode. But if I don't share some of them with you today, I'm going to have to do an entire episode dedicated to the notes section of my phone. So <laughs> I'm just going to tell you guys a couple of these things. Um, one thing, and I actually learned this from drunk dietitians, I think, is that trauma is stored in the body. And the best way to think about it is that feelings are physical first, right? So I'm going to say that again. Feelings are physical first. So we will elaborate on this in a future episode, actually. But in the meantime, I want you to think about this. And I want you to think about this example. Like, if you're feeling anxious, your heart might race or your palms might sweat or, like, your face might get hot or something before your inner monologue says to you, hey, this makes me uncomfortable. Your body literally has a physical response first. Like feelings are physical and, and trauma is triggered by feelings, right? It's already in there, it's in your body. So just keep that in mind. I thought that that was really thought provoking. Um, the second thing on a lighter note, Rachel Ferraro, my esthetician, she was on episode six, one of my favorites. She's been releasing a newsletter, which is absolutely fantastic. And if you guys want to subscribe to it, you can actually just go to her website and a little box comes up. You can type in your email and you'll get it once a week. It's when the newsletters come out. But she's been releasing this newsletter and she talks about saying good morning to yourself in the mirror every day. I thought that was really sweet and I just kind of wanted to share it. Just looking in the mirror and greeting yourself out loud with a smile and saying good morning. Maybe even saying your name. Good morning, Anna. And I've been doing this. I know it sounds kind of silly, but I think that it's a really powerful affirmation. And especially for those of you who might be quarantining alone or you're single or you're living alone. I know it sounds kind of weird, but you probably need that socialization. And um, I just want to kind of challenge you guys to do the same, like get over how silly it feels and see if it makes you feel good in the morning. And also a reminder that you guys can still get 10% off her products with code ENOUGH10. And that's linked on our website. And you can also find it in the show notes of her episode on episode six. Um, her refine mask is new and improved and it's back in stock. It's been out for a while and I've been like, freaking out. I used some on Devin. I did a face mask on him before I knew that it was going out of stock temporarily and I freaked out. I was like, no, I wouldn't have given you this facial if I thought that my mask would go away forever. But luckily it came back and I'm so excited. And all of my girlfriends love this mask too. It's like literally my favorite mask I've ever used. So make sure that you get your hands on that and then tag me and Rachel in your stories so we can see you using it if you use it. Have you been using your joy? What is, what is it that you have? Yeah, joy? the yeah, the joy, mm -hmm. um, the chapstick. It's fantastic. And I know. I, I was like, I'm like starting to run low, so I have to like order more from her Aww. soon. <laughs> and then uh, number three, and this will be the last little thing before we do the intro for the interview. I have so many of these notes. I could, like I said, I could literally like do this all day, but we have to keep it moving. So I'm going to save the rest of the notes for future episodes. But 
I finished season two of Dead to Me. Did you watch it? Oh yeah, we fin. I think Nick and I finished it in a weekend, and it to a, to a point I that he was like, day. "We need to watch the next one right now." He's like, Devin <laughs> has been obviously back to golfing. Yeah. So when he goes golfing, I call golf the other. I'm like, mm, golf the other woman, <laughs> right? And but I, you know what? Let him have her. Let right. him let him have her. Right. For whatever. <laughs> and I spent an entire day with my whole arm in a bag of potato chips in his bed, and Love I watched it. Dead to Me start to finish in oh one my day. God. It was the best day of it, my quarantine. Yeah, the new one. I was like. Like I had to like refresh myself, so I kind of wish I rewatched season one before getting into season did. two. Did you? I did. Yeah, I think I that would have been a good idea. I always yeah, have to. I, I wish I did. Forget. But I thought it was seriously amazing. And one of the things that I noticed about the season was learning more about Judy's family dynamic and her past. And if you've been listening to this podcast and you've been learning about all these buzzwords that we say here, you may have picked up on the fact that Judy is codependent because her mom enforced her to be this good girl, right? I think she even said that. I think she said something like be a good girl or you're a good girl. Like she's a freaking adult. She doesn't need to be obedient to you, but that's oftentimes a big reason why codependent adults are the way they are. They've spent a lifetime catering to a toxic parent and trying to perform to earn their love. And that creates people-pleasing tendencies. So when you notice that the same person in your life that's always cleaning up after everyone at a party or always calming down the person who is screaming or never sharing as much about their own life to play small so that someone else can have the, the stage to share you know things about their life it might not just be out of kindness it might be out of codependency so pay attention I'm not necessarily saying that like people who are super kind have big problems like <laughs> that's not what I'm getting at but sometimes you can kind of pick up on why people are the way they are because we've never really been given a space to um, to have love without having to earn it and and they have to perform or they think they have to perform so I really love watching TV shows where you can dissect these real life things and I just kind of wanted to throw that out there and I'll end with this there was a quote from season two that really stuck with me and it's being brave and pretending to be brave are the same thing so I really loved that yeah did that good I yeah. can see you like I know, I thinking like, <laughs> that through <laughs> yeah I really like that all right, so it's time to call our guest of the day. You guys, I could not be more excited for this guest. I've been wanting to connect with her for years. We're going to be speaking with Tara Newell from Dirty John, the real Tara Newell from the real Dirty John story. If you aren't familiar with this story, we will, of course, have Tara share more of it in her own words. But the story was made into a podcast and then a TV show on Bravo. It's a very famous and successful podcast, and it's all about abusive relationships. And it was so important to me to have Tara on the Enough podcast, not only because I personally want to talk to her, but because you guys have brought so much feedback to me about wanting to stick with the theme of this show, which is rebuilding your life after adversity. And for me, the adversity was an abusive relationship with a toxic partner. So I heard you loud and clear. I'm happy to deliver. And I thought, who can I bring on the show to keep us on track with the main idea that will bring us some amazing wisdom and strength? And that's Tara. So without further ado, let's get right to it and talk about Tara's story and all she has accomplished to work through trauma and overcome adversity. Please welcome Tara Newell. Hey, Tara, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you so much for having me today. I'm so excited to have you on. Um, I first just wanted to share with you how I found out about your story um, and you, really. I was listening to the Scrubbing In podcast a couple years ago with Tanya Rad and Becca Tilly, and I'm like, I'm a huge scrubber. I love their podcast. 
And when I was listening to it, that was actually in the part of my life where I was experiencing um, really like a rebuilding of my life after going through a very abusive relationship. And I was not familiar with Dirty John. I had never listened to the podcast. I, I hadn't even heard of the TV show. But when I listened to your interview, I was like, I feel so connected to this girl. Like, I, I want to talk to her. And you just kind of have been on my mind. So when I started my own podcast about a year after that, you had kind of always been in the forefront of people that I wanted to talk to and, and you know, learn about you and pick your brain. So um, that's actually how I found out about you. I did recently listen to the podcast, but it wasn't in the order of, it wasn't in the order of things where I had knew, known your story and then heard you elaborate on it on Scrubbing In. That's the first place where I, I got to know you. So I'm so excited to have you on my own podcast today. It's kind of a dream. It's kind of cool. Oh, I love that. I'm like Tanya and uh, Becca were just so sweet. I love them so much. Aren't they so cool? I've, I'm just like so inspired by them all the time. Yeah, no, I like, I just love their energy and what they post. And they're always like so woman oriented. And I have friends, well, I only know Jack Vanek from um, the Lady Gang and yeah, then I'm yeah. like saw that they collabed recently and I'm like oh I love that like all the women are getting together and banding together and I love that so much it's cool I know I love it and that's obviously like something that we're really striving to do so we like to have a lot of different voices here on the podcast and like keep people in the community and you know celebrate everybody and what they're doing and I know that you have a lot of cool things in your brand that you're getting ready to launch or that you've been working on so we're definitely going to give you an opportunity to plug those things towards the end but first I just kind of wanted you to start with who is Tara who are you like when, when people meet you or when people first talk to you, do they associate you with Dirty John? Do you ever get the opportunity to tell people who you are aside from that experience and those stories? Like, what does that look like? So, I mean, there's sometimes when, <clears throat> sorry, there's sometimes when people do recognize me and then we kind of connect off of that. Um, but a lot of the times it's like, I'll meet these people and then, um, we just will get to talking about life experiences and everything. And then I'll mention like, Oh yeah, I went through, um, this part of my life where, you know, it was kind of a struggle and I went through some traumatic experiences, but I came out really strong in the end. And we'll just, that's how I kind of started out just because I don't want to say like, oh yeah, I got stabbed. Um, my stepdad tried to kill me. Like that's probably what I say when I get drunk and I don't know how to explain it. <laughs> um, but like, well, not really because like I still can, be like, oh, like, this is what happened to me. But I like to ease into it um, more so talking about traumatic experiences and life experiences. And then I really get into like, oh, this experience happened to me. Um, have you heard of Dirty John? And then um, like, it depends where I'm at. But in Orange County, it's like 75% of yes. And then everywhere else, it's like 50-50 if they heard of it, which is so crazy because like I never thought that people would know um so much about what I went through and like John and my mom and all of that so it's kind of really interesting um but it also is kind of nice because then 
if that person knows, then I don't have to explain the whole situation that like I defended myself against my stepdad. And it's kind of um, annoying to go through that every time where it's like if the person just knows like a little bit of what happened, it's easier to explain, um, you know, where I am now and everything that I've done to get to this great place. Yeah, I think that's a really important answer because it's so important to remember that when we're listening to these podcasts and yes, we're, you know, we're very interested and intrigued by the true crime and and what's going to happen next, but it's real people's lives. You know, it's real people and it's real trauma and it's yours. You know, that is your story. So it's crazy when it becomes like this huge thing that so many people in the, in the country know about because that's yours to process. And, and um, it's so important, I think, for people to, to be sensitive to that, especially when having a conversation with you directly. Yeah, no, I, I think so 100%. Like, I've had people come up to me and they're like, oh, wait, you're the girl that, like, stabbed her stepdad. And I'm like, well, thank goodness I have a sense of humor because I, like, kind of just chuckle at them. And I'm like, yeah, I'm that girl. Um, But, like, I don't really think it's appropriate to come up to someone and say that because it was really a traumatic experience. Like, I was stalked by this guy. I had to defend myself, and I had survivor's guilt after that. I didn't want I didn't want to hurt him but I had to defend myself right so there are a couple other things I wanted to share with you I know we've been going back and forth a little bit on Instagram DMs which has been really exciting by the way when I first saw your name pop up on my phone I was like what oh my god she messaged me (laughs) but um I wanted to share with you something that I've actually never given any thought to before and I'd love to pick your brain on this so I found out I obviously didn't listen to the podcast until years later after it had come out. But when the podcast started like sharing dates about when these things happened, when when your attack happened, um, that was actually a couple days before I met my abusive ex-boyfriend. Oh, really? And I, yes. And I wanted to share with you a few of the similarities between my ex and John. Um, and they're just bizarre. So one of them is that they both pretended and to be doctors and lied about being doctors. One is that they both had a thing for testosterone. That to me, that gave me chills when I heard that actually. I mean, that freaked me out. It's something that always made me uncomfortable about my ex. But when I heard it on Dirty John, I was like, oh, this is like a a pathological behavior, clearly. It's not just, you know, something that my ex did. And um, also both lied about owning property and luxury property at that. So my question for you is this. I've obviously spoken with a lot of people who have experienced abusive relationships, but I've never heard these exact lies and behaviors from another person until I listened to Dirty John. So in your experience in what you've learned, are these common lies and behaviors? Like, have you heard about this in other people's lives too? A hundred percent. I've heard that um, they're like, oh my gosh, this guy pretended to be a a doctor also. Or I've met like ladies out in Newport or whatever, and they're just joking and they're like, oh, I hope he's not a dirty John. You got to make sure he's like a doctor and you got to call the place. 
And it's so funny because now it's like kind of a stigma, but in reality, it's so true that a lot of these con artists will pretend to be something that they're not. Like they want to pretend to be either like a doctor, a lawyer, um, something of importance. And unless like you really are in that field, um, you're not, not really considered a threat to them. Um, about that lie until like you start finding out more information but usually that lie is pretty um, prominent in a sense it's like they believe it to a sense like I think John believed he was a doctor like when we had conversations the little conversations that we did have he had so much knowledge he told me actually that um i needed to go to the doctor because i he thought i had ovarian cyst and it's really weird because like normally you wouldn't talk to a guy about ovarian cyst right but he's proclaiming to be a doctor and so you kind of have um a sense of comfortability even with him so I think that he used that tactic like oh I'm a doctor like I can help people and then there's a comfortability there so people want to talk to me and they feel that I'm important and he feels important through that and that's something really um a narcissist or a psychopath or a sociopath is it's really important to them to feel important yeah definitely and I'm glad that you ended with that because we talk a lot about narcissists psychopaths sociopaths on this podcast and just in general you know different accounts that we share on Instagram I, I can see you doing the same things with different resources sometimes um, it can be pretty confusing to know the difference because a lot of the research is confusing. So in your own words, how would you define the difference in those three things? Honestly, well, it's so like mental um, diseases, like mental wellness, all of that. It's so complicated. And I don't want to say that there's um, so sociopaths. I could say this. They are more reactive. Um, they are kind of less in control with their emotions, um, where maybe a narcissist or a psychopath will be a little bit more in control and smarter with how they approach something. Um, especially a psychopath, they're going to have things more planned out and they're going to be like, okay, so if this thing happens to me, I'll plot my revenge. Where if you pissed off a sociopath, his response were, he probably would hit the person or get anger more easily like that, if that makes sense. They're more reactive in a sense, um, where psychopaths are more planned out. Yeah, that makes sense. It makes me think about, there's a Ted Bundy quote that's something like this. It's like, um, people think that psychopaths and sociopaths are men in faraway places hurting other people, and that's not true. We're your brothers, we're your husbands, we're your friends, you know, and, and that was your stepdad. You know, it's 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 real people and it's affecting real families. So it's, I think, so important what you're doing and educating people about the dangers of these very real concepts because it could literally save your life. 
Yeah, no, I like, I even have friends where I'm like, oh, I know he's a narcissist, but like, I'm like, I can't do anything about it. And his significant other, like, I love her so much, but she's, she has to come to that realization on her own because I have so many friends where I've been like, oh, he's a complete narcissist. And they're like, but really he's been doing so good lately. And I'm like, Oh, but like you got to listen to like what he says and you kind of have to analyze it. And like um, this person kind of. um, okay, so anyone who downgrades the mother or father of their um, kids, you know, I don't think that's respectable. And if you were not a narcissist or sociopath or psychopath, then you're going to, if that person's really a bad person, you might tell your child like, oh, like, I don't agree with daddy with this, but you know, you have to listen to him. You know, you have to respect him. Um, or you might tell your, um, kid like, oh, I know daddy does this, uh, but maybe, you know, just go in the other room when he does this. They'll give like their kids, um, techniques on how to deal with that person but they won't be like this person's a bad person you need to stay away from them because that's the person's parents and but if a narcissist feels threatened by that person then they're going to tell the kid like oh mommy is with a bad guy like mommy's crazy you know they're gonna turn the situation around and I think that one of the signs of a narcissist especially with parents um parenting is how they treat the other person that they had the kids with. Yeah, that's a really, that's a really good point. I think it's so scary to think about these people as parents, but it's very real. You know, a lot of people have a toxic parent, have a narcissistic parent. It's, uh, it's easier, I think, to think about it in the context of a romantic relationship. I think that's where a lot of people get their first exposure to the awareness of this. Am I in a toxic re- romantic relationship? But really, once you start learning about those types of people, you're like, oh my gosh, this person's mom or my mom, or what about my boss? Like, it's there are so many different dynamics of what an unhealthy and potentially dangerous relationship can be. And I think you know, it's just so important to give this education to everybody because just because you're in a healthy, you know, marriage or relationship doesn't mean that you won't have a narcissistic boss. Yeah, no, it's so true. And like when you become aware to it, you realize how many people out there have this issue and you're just like, oh man, thank goodness. I feel like I'm normal. (laughs) It's scary, right? It really is. So on that note with kind of dissecting the different behaviors or the different um, actions of narcissists, psychopaths, sociopaths. When did you first notice, like what, do you have like an aha moment of like putting your finger on something isn't right here with what was off about John? Like what made you notice that something was off about him? So when I first met him, um, he was kind of tossing with a mattress and He just wasn't engaging, but we were also moving. So I'm like, okay, like maybe that's why. And I kept making excuses for my gut feelings. And I feel like that's a lot of of like what a lot of people do is that they have this feeling that something isn't right. And even when you meet someone 
like sometimes you have a bad impression and you have to um meet them again and have a better one but a lot of the times the first impression is everything and when you have a gut feeling when you meet someone you need to kind of trust on that or to just at least notice that and become aware of that um and that's something that I kind of really tried to brush under the rug um and I tried to get to know him a little bit more and there was still these more and more red flags that would pop up like he would drive my mom's car and so I thought that was kind of weird and I would ask my mom like why is he driving your car And then there was one time we went out to dinner. This was like the first time we actually went out to dinner. Um, I was in the back with my friend and my boyfriend at the time. And I couldn't get out of the car because the child locks were on. And I thought that that was so weird. And I told him, I was like, hey, can you let me out? The child locks are on. And I probably said it like I did right now. And he didn't hear me. So I said it again a bit louder. He actually got out of the car and went upstairs and like left us all in the car. And it was weird because I had to either call or text my mom to like come down. And I was like, mom, can you let us out of the car? Like your boyfriend didn't let us out of the car. (laughs) And it was just kind of like really annoying. You know, it was just like, why would he do that? But he did hear me but he wanted to basically um have control over the situation and also um just like it's like a power thing it's a power dynamic with a psychopath and stuff they will hear you a lot of the times but they'll just do what they want to do so i've listened to the podcast i have not watched the tv show with the story that you just shared do you feel like there are just so many more of those so many like little moments or things that made you uneasy that couldn't have possibly all fit into the show and the podcast? So, I mean, a lot of my story isn't told in the podcast and in the TV show. It's more so about my mom and her her relationship with him. Um, It's also about John and some of his other victims. And I think that... Yeah, there's been so many podcasts and stuff where I've told my story, but like my story was not focused in um, this, the podcast in the series, I feel, um, which is fine because there's so many stories that go involved in that. Like there's my mom's story, there's John's story, there's Tanya's story, there's Emily's story, there's all these other women's story that have been with him and so I really understand um and then I also think that if it was from my perspective you wouldn't get much information because I did only meet him um two weeks in a row and then after that me John and I had nothing to do with each other we actually hated each other it's kind of hard to gauge the timeline I think in listening to some of those stories and some of those recaps, because you're right, it is so many different people's stories and it's hard to kind of think about, you know, like you just shared, you had only been with them two weekends in a row. Like it's hard to kind of visualize that because from the beginning and the end of the story, there's so much that happens. You kind of think it's going on forever. Yeah. And I mean, like if they would have shown my side, it's just like how, um, 
kind of like trauma and stalking affects you. And I felt like I was losing my mind. Like that time in my life was so bad. I was struggling with my relationship because of it and, you know, other stuff too. But, you know, that was a huge contribution to why I was so unhappy um, during that time because, like, I didn't know how to approach the situation. And I'm, like, a huge empath. And so I felt everything around me. And I felt that he hated me. And I'm just, like... And then my mom would also tell me, she would be, like, John is so much like you, Tara. And I'm, like how can you say that he's literally the devil to me so it was just like I just felt like I was losing my mind and if like tv and television would have showed that it just would have been like this girl's crazy you know and I mean I never planned to go after him or anything like that like I don't want to say crazy like Betty Broderick crazy because like um I don't think that her intentions were right. And I think that she has a mental disorder. But there was times where I would just literally break down and cry on the floor because I don't know what to do. And I felt so in fear of my life. Wow. Um, I first want to say I'm so sorry that you experienced that. Um, If you would be comfortable doing so, what would you say, if you were to answer this question, what would you say would be like, I hate to say the Cliff Notes version because how could you possibly like summarize it? But if if your story was told from your angle um, of what you experienced, how what would be the way that you would share that with people? I think that if it was shared from my experience, I think I, well, first of all, I was writing a book. I don't know if it's going to come out anymore just because um, COVID really turned things around. So I might come out with like a workbook instead, which I'm actually working on a workbook. So I'm for sure going to come out with that. It just depends if it's published or, you know, I publish it myself. Um, But I think I would talk about the traumatic experiences that I been through all my life and um kind of talk about the patterns that I realized in my life and undoing um the patterns of like toxic relationships and stuff because I love my mom so much but there was some tools that she didn't learn um she didn't learn what a healthy relationship really looks like she did have her parents and that was a healthy relationship but they didn't warn her about like the bad people out there. She was taught to love and love basically anyone's flaws. And she wasn't taught boundaries. Um, So, you know, she was taught to love and that's so great. But you also need to be taught boundaries with that because um, you can only give people so much of your time and you can only do so much for them and you have to at the end of the day you know I always tell people this you know when the plane's going down and you have to put on the mask you have to put it on first so that you can help the person after and I used to not think of self-care that way but your self-care you know you have to give yourself self-care in order to help other people yeah absolutely um what are some things that you do for self-care 
Um, so when I'm not in COVID times, I really enjoy hot yoga. Me too. Yes, it's just amazing. And like when you're in the room, you're just like the heat just helps you calm down. It helps you slow down your breath. And it's like you have more mental control on things. Totally. I feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then um, I really enjoy cycling. I go to this place called Grit Cycle. Um, but they're not open right now with everything. Um, you know, California had to shut down again. (laughs) Um, and then I also, um, I just really enjoy hiking. Um, I heard that floating is really good for PTSD. I really want to try that, but I haven't yet. Um, but just like hiking, getting those endorphins, being outside, moving your body, um, because trauma is stuck in the body. So for me, it's just really important to do self-care as in putting that movement into my body. Yeah, I love that you brought this up. I know, Jordan, you're thinking it too. We actually, in the intro, we just kind of gave like a quarantine update about our lives. And one of the things we talked about was joyful movement and how trauma is stored in the body. And if you can find exercise that you truly enjoy, it can help you process a lot of what you are carrying because feelings are physical first. Yes. Um, I really enjoy like, uh, I forget what it's called. I can't talk right now. Um, sorry. (laughs) Some somatics somatic experiences and, um, somatic body experiences where you, um, have you heard of that? No, I've heard of this word, but I don't know what it means. Okay, so uh, like somatic, basically from my understanding, it's just being aware of like your body and just, um, you know, the pains and aches in your body. And uh, you could do this thing like a body scan and you kind of just go through your body and you kind of go through like I like to go through an inch for like a second, you know, and you think you just kind of slowly go down and you have to be in a relaxed position but you become aware of like everything that you're kind of feeling and you become like oh my shoulder's hurting and then you kind of do um breath work into that and then it um it's so fun I I think it's fun um it's so fun because like when you do that breath work and you breathe into like that one spot like the pain kind of subsides and then you move it around in a sense and it's really cool and I like to do um somatic experiences with that as you're saying this I'm like oh my god my back hurts I need to do that I need to do this tonight um you did did do you still have your dog cash yeah he's right he's right here Aww. so you did bring up your dating life um, or you were that you were in a relationship during that time and a toxic relationship. Have you been able to take what you've learned from that time of your life and kind of vetted people differently in the dating world right now? I don't know what your relationship status is, but what does dating look like for you now? Um, okay, so I want to kind of clarify like that relationship um I mean that time is hard during that time but I don't necessarily think that that relationship was a toxic relationship um he had large amounts of empathy (laughs) um he just like he was 
in my sense, he was a boy, and it was is co- it was a codependent relationship, um, and I did get into it after trauma, so I was kind of trauma bonded to him. And this is the one that you had the dog with, right? Yeah, but not in the sense where he would do things where I would just be like um, glued to him because of my traumatic experience. It was literally I went through this traumatic experience, like I got hit by a car by this one guy I dated um and then I met him right during that time and so he walked with me to my car every day and then he um kind of just moved in right away he became my safe person so the reason why that relationship didn't work out was first of all because I didn't have that um healthy relationship with myself that I was my safe person um so I've had to rewire all of that (laughs) um and now I feel like hopefully I got it right (laughs) I mean I'm dating right now I gotta be honest I've spoken out that I've hated dating apps and but now I'm on one and I still feel like I somewhat hate it. <laughs> Which one are you on? Hinge. I met my boyfriend on Hinge. Oh, you did? But it's funny because I totally get it. I get why you hate it. Um, I had been on probably a thousand Hinge and, I'm sorry, Bumble and Tinder dates. And I ended up one and only Hinge years later and met Devin and he's my person. So it's like definitely a weird world. I get it, but give it a chance because you never know. Okay, so I did go on a date in quarantine. Well, I like I went to have a seat with this one guy, but I knew him for um, through my other friend, and then I saw him on Hinge, and then I liked his photo because it was like this wedding that we went to. And sometimes I think when you like a picture on a dating app I'm like oh it's just friendly we're just friends (laughs) and then he was like should we try this again because we did go on a date like four years ago and I was like why not so we went to have a suit together but with my other friends too and but we we joke about it we're like I don't know if that was a date or not um but it was like a good time um but he works a lot and he's not as persistent with um, pursuing girls. So we will see if that pans out or not. Um, I kind of like just give him space and don't text him. But then I'll like we'll try to like meet up every once in a while. But then it hasn't panned out again yet. But it's. He works a lot and it's been like a few couple months, but I'm also shopping around for other people too. You right. know what I mean? Because yeah. I'm like, that's not um, something I want to put all my eggs in the basket because I want someone to pursue me. Yes. <laughs> but yes. I'm, Good. Yeah. But I'm not going to knock it off yet because he hasn't done anything Good. to piss me off. <laughs> Good. I think that you are in the perfect position. Like, You are, you know what you're worth. You're giving him a chance. You're still exploring options. Like, it's also a weird time because it's quarantine. Yeah, no. And then I went on this other date and I actually had to tell this guy, like, hey, it's not working out. I don't think we want the same things. Um, Just because 
I think it's really important to match like your energies and your compatibility and everything. And um, well, first of all, <laughs> on this date I went on with him, he um, he was like, "Oh, what kind of music do you like?" And I was like, "Oh, I like like R and B, like rap, hip hop, country." Um, and he's like, "Oh, I like house." And I'm like, to be honest, House is like my least favorite music. I don't like it either, but my boyfriend does. Okay, yeah. And he's like, oh, I like House. Strike one. And I'm like, oh. (laughs) I was just like, okay. (laughs) Strike one for sure. Um, And then he like, um, we found other interests and stuff. But he also like... He asked me, like, somehow, like, it got brought up, like, I don't usually bring this up on a first date, too. It got brought up that, like, um, I, like, do influencing and I advocate for victims and whatnot. And he's like, well, how did you get into that? And I'm like, uh... How much time do you have? Yeah. I'm like, have you heard of Dirty John? And he's like... He kind of played it off like, oh, like kind of, yeah. And then as the date gets further into it, he um, is like, oh, yeah. So where's the Balboa house? And what's going on with like your sister and stuff? And he like told me, he's like, oh, I'm so sorry I'm asking all these questions. And then just like my automatic response, because I like, I'm just so used to getting asked these questions. I'm like, oh, it's okay. Don't worry about it. I get asked it all the time. But, like, I don't want to get asked it on a date. (laughs) And and then he continues to ask me more questions because, like, I didn't make that boundary clear with him. I said it was okay to ask those questions. Um, But he also, like, did ask me, like, how old is the oldest guy I dated? And... I really don't think that that's appropriate to ask on a first date. And then he also, um, he asked me how many guys I dated in quarantine. And I'm like, too many questions. I don't like that. Yeah, I don't like that either. And then he would message (laughs) me every single day after that. And he just wouldn't allow me space. And I'm a really independent person where I'm just like, I need some like two days to myself to just be alone and if like if things were to um get more involved I think that I would be open to talking to him every day but just in the beginning I think it's really important to give someone a little bit of space (laughs) yeah I totally agree I think when you give somebody space, you also give them the opportunity to show you if they respect your boundaries and if they have any of their own boundaries. Yeah, but he, uh, when I wouldn't reply to him, he would follow up with another text message and, like, would text me three times a day when I wouldn't reply to him. And I just, like, I'll reply. I suck at replying to my friends, too. So I'll reply when I can, you know? Um, And it just, like... It was something where I had to tell him, I was like, hey, I don't think we're compatible. I think that I'm a little bit too independent. And he didn't get that at first. And then he, um, the 4th of July happened. And then he posted like a picture with a girl and was like the love of my life. And then he also like messaged me that day after I like kind of told him like we're not compatible. 
and was like, I would love to get together for your birthday. Can we do something? Happy belated birthday, by the way. Oh, thank you. And then I had to just tell him, like, I don't know if I was very clear, (laughs) but I'm going to be clear now. I don't think that this is going to work. And I think that our energy is better spent elsewhere. (laughs) And then he finally got the memo and deleted me off of everything and stopped bugging me and harassing me. But you kind of have to, like, draw such... Well, at least what I've learned is you have to, like, give them, like, such direct boundaries. Yeah, like draw your boundaries with Sharpie, not chalk. Oh, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so those that's been my hinge experience so far. Um, so I think I want to, like, slow down on that for a minute, but it will be okay. <laughs> well, hang in there. Keep at it because there are good ones out there. But, yeah, sounds like there's definitely still fair share of really weird questions out there in the dating world (laughs) but you know as long as you like draw your boundaries and you kind of like get these gut feelings and you you end it with these guys right away I think that it's better to do that than to like ghost people and I think that communication and relationships is everything and that's something that I'm at least learning right now with dating as how to draw those clear boundaries and to also know my self-worth because I deserve I deserve a lot you know we all do yes you do and that's the thing it's like you can't have boundaries if you don't have worth because people that don't have a good sense of self-worth don't feel the need to set any boundaries because they don't think that they're worthy of what's on the other side of those boundaries so that's like literally the theme of our podcast it's the enough podcast so kind of we explore the double meaning of the word enough so know that you are enough worth and know when you've had enough boundaries. And I love that you just said that because that's exactly what we talk about here. Um, You did mention too that on that date that you explained that you're an advocate for victims and you do a lot of education on these topics that you've learned so much about. Do you have anything that you advocate for when it comes to self-defense, like women's self-defense? I know that I learned from other interviews that you had done, um, as well as the original Dirty John podcast, that you were a big fan of The Walking Dead. And I'm curious as to how you teach people, how you teach women about navigating a potentially dangerous situation like that. So I've done a crime con um, I talked at CrimeCon and my dog's yawning right now. <laughs> um, I did CrimeCon and I talked about how to defend yourself and get out of a um attack that way. I think I also talked about it on scrubbing in a little bit, um, how to defend yourself. Um pretty sure I talked about it on the first degree podcast too. And um then I also have an article out there with the volunteerist. And I go step by step on how to defend yourself in knife attack, basically, or how to defend yourself in any attack. Just because what I did in my attack was 100% right and what I needed to do. And it's so crazy because, like, I've watched, you know, The Walking Dead and I've watched all these um, true crime shows. And the thing that they talk about the most or the most common theme that you see with any survivor that survived an attack, first of all, they 
fought like hell. They didn't give up. Um, right when the attacker grabbed them, they tried to flee away. Um, that's when you should always try to get away is in that moment. That's when you're going to have the most um, percentage of like success rate. Um, so right when you're grabbed, that's the moment you try to need to fight off and get away. Because when you're in that car and you move to a secondary location, um, that's when your chances of survival go down. So it's really important to act right away. Um, try to flee, run, make as much noise as you can. Um, just like scream bloody murder. Um, that's one of the things that people did grab attention towards my, um, trauma, (laughs) but they weren't, there for the attack they were all there for the aftermath but it was still important that I made that noise and I made people aware of the situation that was going on um when I was unable to detach from him I ended up falling on my back and that was kind of more of an advantage for me to be honest um because I was able to use my legs and your legs um I forget what bone it is, like your fibrone or whatever, but that one muscle in your thighs, um, that is your largest bone in your body. And so that muscle is going to be your most powerful um, source of like defense and fighting back. So like being on my back and then pedal kicking, um, that was really in my benefit. And as the knife came down, I would try to block it and kick his forearm And then that's what made the knife um, come out of his hands along with Cash. Cash was biting his ankles and really going to town on him. Um, But it landed on my right hand side and I didn't give it a second thought to pick it up. You have to like everything kind of happens in nanoseconds. (laughs) So you can't give anything thought. You have to just do in that moment. Um, So I picked it up and then just started willing back on him and you kind of have to just keep going um because like you watch all these horror movies and the girl doesn't get the guy or he gets back up and that's like it was crazy because like I thought I killed him but then he was still able to get revived so it's like what I did, like, he did die in the hospital and stuff, but it's crazy that, like, what I did didn't kill him right on the spot, if you know what I mean. So, like, when you're in that moment, you gotta keep going. Wow. Yeah, I think you're right. It is crazy, and I'm glad that you brought up, like, when you see movies of, like, uh, that happening with women, because it's so important, I think, for women in particular, we're just naturally smaller people, Um, I think it's extra important for women to hear what you just shared because you don't have time to think, you know, it is, it is literally a do or die. So I actually thought of you too. I don't know if this is morbid, but, um, I got like a really nice knife set for my kitchen when I just moved and my mom was like, like you got to customize the knives. My mom was like, why do you need this one? I was like to pull a Terra Newell if I have to. I was like, are you kidding me? Yeah, I literally said that. Um, 
to kind of shift gears a little bit, but I do want to ask this question because we did kind of touch on how even though you had had experiences in your own romantic life that were maybe unhealthy, the story of Dirty John is your mom's experience in that romantic relationship. So your role in that story as the child of the parent that's in that romantic relationship, if you could give a message to anyone who's listening who might be concerned about their parent's significant other, what would that message be? So I feel like if it's really important to you, you can find the information, um, hire someone. If this person is really like a creep like John was, you know, Look into hiring a private investigator, um, getting as much information as you can to bring to your mom or your dad or whoever else is so important. But I also think that it's extremely important for this person to also have boundaries with this, um, just because at the end of the day, it's a lot to go through and someone else's burden should never be your burden and I think that you need to realize like is this affecting my life is this um affecting my relationships with people you have to kind of ask yourself like has this bettered my life in any way um and when you realize that it's like too much you kind of have to take a step back and I think that for me, this is something that we didn't really talk about, but I did have to take a step back from my mom and I did have to not talk to her for a minute. And I think that for um, me, it was really beneficial um, because at least like she knew that I didn't like him and that this might be something that we can't deal with. And then my brothers and sisters, when she didn't respect their boundaries with like, um, they asked her not to allow the kids to see him. She didn't respect that at a time because she was so coerced in this relationship. So after that, my brothers and sisters didn't allow their kids to be with her or if they were to be seen with my mom, then my brothers or sisters had to be there with their kids. Um, And I think that that was really hard on my mom because she realized that she wasn't being let to trust, like being let to be with her grandchildren and stuff. And I think that that was really eye-opening to her that like all these relationships that she has with other people are being affected because of her relationship with this man. Yeah, that's... It's so important to think about it like that because I think in this digital age of Instagram and podcasts where we have a lot of different resources at our fingertips with learning about boundaries and learning about, you know, how to respond to someone who doesn't respect your boundaries and learning about narcissism and things like that, things that don't require you to, you know, go to the library or go to the bookstore, get a book and read the whole thing. Like people our age are able to learn things like at our fingertips. And I think our parents, their generation didn't have that. So I don't think that this conversation about boundaries and how vital they are to your relationships with other people and your relationship with yourself, um, I don't think that it was spoken about as much. And I think that it's, you know, it's so important to educate people of all ages about it for that reason. 
Yeah, no, I think it's really important too because that's something that I miss throughout my life. And now that I'm learning to have these appropriate boundaries with people, I feel like a weight has been lifted off my shoulders. Yes, I definitely feel the same. Um, What are a couple boundaries that you set in your everyday life or just whether it's relationships, things with yourself, friendships, work, what are a couple boundaries that come to mind that you've learned how to set? So I always used to be that person that if I get a text message, I'd be like, it caused me so much anxiety and I would have to reply to it right away. And there's like times where I'm cooking or I'm just like doing me, you know, and it's hard to get to that message. And I realize that that stress is not worth it. That person can wait. And honestly, if my friends know me, they know they could call me and get an answer from you right away. If it's urgent, you know, um, and then it's just like, I get, I love everyone. Don't get me wrong. I just get a lot of messages. So it's like, my PTSD brain sometimes, it's hard to um, compartmentalize them. And so um, I just like, you know, I realized like, you know, I have to maybe do um, a day where when I'm at a good place, I can reply to everyone's messages and actually listen to their stories and not be like, oh my gosh, this is triggering to me too. Yeah, I I can't obviously relate to your trauma, but I can definitely relate to the text message thing because I used to have to respond immediately. And now I'm like, if it doesn't warrant a response, I might not respond at all. Yeah. (laughs) And that's okay. Yeah. And then with COVID too, like this has been really hard for me, but, um, you know, just telling people like, Hey, I don't really feel comfortable coming out right now. Um, A lot of people are like, hey, like, let's go do something. Let's go on a walk. Let's do this. And I'm like, you know, right now I feel like my time is better spent um, inside working on my workbooks. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that that's an example of a boundary that is, you know, of the utmost importance because that's this is a crazy time. It's your health. You know, there's nothing more important than your health and safety. Um, As we wrap up here, one of my favorite questions to ask my guests is for something that we call your enough moment. Now, this might be obvious, but I'm still going to read to you what I would define as the enough moment, and you can answer this however you want. It can be personal. It can be professional. um, It can be related to Dirty John. It can be unrelated to Dirty John. But your enough moment is what I feel is a moment where you, you think of as something where you felt like you were or were not enough in your worth or a moment where you realize that you had enough and you set a boundary like whatever moment comes to mind of there's life before this and there's life after this because I I realized something about my worth or my boundary Um, so what comes to mind when I ask you that question okay so that one relationship I was in because I was um trauma bonded to it it was extremely difficult to get over um I was attached to this person to the max and I mean there was like we were in a limbo for like we were together for a full five years and then in a limbo after that for like three years after that and there was this moment where it was like I called him because I was like this is like, 
it's either going to make it or break it, you know? And I just want to have this conversation. I literally called the, the, my ex and he, um, I was like, I think it said something about like, should we like try, like, I don't know if I should just give up on this. And then he just started kind of laughing at me. (laughs) And I just like, it was so disrespectful. And then I found out like he, even though he was flirting with me here and there and he had trouble setting his boundaries with me too. um, It was just so disrespectful to get laughed at. And then I realized like he was seeing someone else again. And then there was just like that moment that like clicked for me that like this thing that I've been fighting for, for this person for so long is not worth it whatsoever and that he doesn't make me feel good and that I need to really just kind of um get over it now and I think that it's kind of like harsh to say to someone who's struggling with like letting go of that person but there's there comes to a moment where you have to realize like (laughs) that relationship that you had the one that you've been holding on to, like you're so much better off on your own and to be with someone else, you know? And that was just like kind of like my enough aha moment. And then it kind of pushed me to realize more patterns in that relationship and get the help that I needed to to move on and finally be done with that person. I'm so happy to hear you say that because as somebody who doesn't personally know you, me, uh, but has virtually gotten to know you a little bit by now, like watching you on your Instagram stories and stuff. What I can gather from you in the little bit that I know about you is that you are great on your own. Like I can sense that from you and I can sense that you're independent. I can sense that you are happy and chasing more happiness and learning and growing and um, helping others while you're doing that. And I think if, if that is Um, how someone who doesn't know you feels about you, then I think you're going to be pretty okay on Hinge with those people that that, that do know you because um, that's definitely a a vibe that you give off. It's definitely an energy that I can sense from you. And um, it's it's really all inspiring, honestly, especially with everything that you have had to endure. So I, I just wanted to share that with you. Thank you. That honestly means so much to me because I was kind of hesitant to share that because, you know, I always want to have respect for that person. But there's so many girls that can't get over their ex. And I'm like, girl, I feel you or I did feel you, (laughs) but we're okay now. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Um, This podcast really, it was inspired by me having an abusive ex. And I actually, I didn't have a lot of trouble getting over him emotionally, but I had a lot of trouble getting over, um, the, the trauma that he instilled in me. And it took me a good two years before I had that success on hinge. And I found a really healthy relationship. So, um, I totally feel you. And I think that it's just, you know, trauma is, it's messy and it is not linear and it is, um, there's so much growth and healing in, and I think that a healthy person and a healthy partner is going to be receptive to that and is going to be a part of that journey with you. Um, and I know that you will find that. 
Yes, absolutely. And like healthy people, they don't want to um, get into complicated situations. Um, So I think it's like, you know, people also need to see like, oh, I'm healthy now. And then that can move forward. Yeah. Yeah. It's like an emotional safety there of like, I've got me. Do you do you have you like, can we come together and like have each other? I think that that really is important. Yes. (laughs) So as we wrap up, I do want to give you an opportunity to tell our listeners some things that you're working on. Where can we find you? Um, I've been seeing on your social that you're getting ready to roll out some pretty cool things. So I would love to just have you take it away and share what it is that you're working on and where we can find you. Okay, so I'm really excited about this new journey. I'm getting into life coaching. I've been working on it for a moment. I've, um, because, you know, when you launch a business, you need to be prepared. And these are people's lives. And I want to have a plan for that. Um, So I do like a custom plan, but I also created worksheets and um, journals and different things to do in order to help this person recover from a toxic relationship or their trauma that they've been through. And then I also do um, like... I have fun things on like social media, like quotes and stuff that I post for inspiration to other people and things that I've learned. Um, so I have like my Instagram, Tara Newell, um, just T-E-R-R-A-N-E-W-E-L-L. Then I'm also on Twitter, uh, Tara underscore Newell. And then I have my website where I share a lot about in my experience and then PTSD. I talk about EMDR on there. There's also resources on there for toxic relationship recovery and PTSD. If you really want to know about what you're going through about, um, or about, you know, if you have a friend that has this problem, it's just really important to inform yourself and to get knowledge. All right. Well, thank you so much. It was such an honor to interview you today. And I'm really excited to follow along with your social. I'm so glad that we got to connect. And I'm going to be cheering you on when you launch all of these cool things that you're working on. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to meet you and connect with you also because I really like the stuff you're posting too. Thank you. I know sometimes I notice that we follow and repost some of the same accounts. I'm like, I'm gonna yes. Like her. We're on the same I was like, if I repost it though, I try to comment to it and then I'm like, oh yes, I repost that. <laughs> right. Right. Same. All right. Well, Tara, thank you so much. I hope you have a great rest of your day and we'll talk soon. Okay. Sounds perfect. All right. Thanks. Um, I have chills. Yeah. That, I, that was a total out of body experience. I felt like I don't think I'm speaking words right now. Yeah. Um, No, I think that, I think that was fantastic. She, she was really cool. Yeah. I think the cool thing is that, okay, admittedly, I was going to call this episode Dirty John. And now I'm realizing like, I'm going to call it like, something like Tara Newell beyond Dirty John Mm -hmm. because we learned so much about her as a person in this interview and that's not usually my takeaway when I've listened to her in other podcasts. Yeah and I mean it's it's something like because like she had even mentioned that like the podcast itself and anyone that hasn't listened to it it's it's a pretty thrilling seven episode podcast. I mean it's not crazy long but it's 
they pack a lot in it and it's a lot of story like she has even mentioned more about her mom so it's it's cool to see more about her and even her own experiences with trauma and stuff completely outside of that his with John and like that whole right. situation and like, I had known about one of her relationships, the reason I asked about the dog, well, two reasons. One, the dog was present when she was attacked. Mm -hmm. And two, because um, I knew that she had gotten that dog with an ex-boyfriend because it said so in the podcast. Yeah. But the podcast made it seem like that was a toxic relationship. But she clarified that that's really not what she's referring to. Yeah. It was maybe unhealthy, but she wouldn't call it a toxic relationship. Mm -hmm. And that's why... I, I was really intrigued when she was elaborating on all of those parts of her life because I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty crazy because, and and it's such it's such a difficult thing because like as a storyteller, like first and foremost, you want to make sure you get the story right. Like you want to make sure. I mean, obviously, like the sh the show has to embellish, has to has to make some changes. And I haven't seen the show yet, but that's just my basic assumption of what would happen. Now I need happens. now we need to watch it. I know. Now we gotta watch it, and then we'll, <laughs> we'll come back. It'll be like a dead to me situation again. But it, it's important to get the, especially since it's an actual person. It's not fiction. Like it's important right. to get that person's story right. Right. And that's something that that me as an editor that I always try to do. If we interview people or anything like that, you can't misconstrue. Then, right, yeah, no, it has to be it could just accurate. Just, it's like, super disrespectful, I find, and, and it's like, it's not a decent thing to do to somebody. Well, it's somebody's real life. Yeah, you know, That's exactly. why I brought that up to her, too. Like, it's really fun to, like, get immersed in a story and be on the edge of your seat, but when you take a step back and you remember, like, oh, my God, I'm able to sit here and just enjoy this story and then move on from it, mm -hmm. she's going to process this for the rest of her life. Yeah, yeah, and it's something that, f for her, it might not ever fully go away right. and that that's the thing that that you really need to be sure that you take with you from it that you're right that it is a person it is someone that still has to cope with it it, it is a family that still has to cope with it too because they were all affected by right. him yeah so that was amazing you guys didn't hear this on air because we were we always wrap up with our guests after the interview and just you know make sure that the mic and everything is we're all good in terms of like the technology but she did ask me to be on her podcast which I am like so honored and thrilled about so um i hope that this is just like the start of a connection with her because i'm really excited about the work that she's doing and it was really a pleasure to talk to her yeah and i feel like it's for you it certainly comes from a point of genuine connection yeah you, know, you, you guys had both had mentioned your previous relationship as well so so it, it is a point of um of relation there like it's something you guys both definitely have experienced and definitely it's, it's definitely not like in non-ingenuine, a dis disingenuous. Yes, it's definitely not a disingenuous thing. Right. Like I feel like you put so much care and and knowledge and effort and understanding into everyone you put everyone you have on the show. Thank like, you. I think I try. Yeah, and I well, I think it really shows your enthusiasm into everything is really cool, and I and I think Tara got that as well. So well, I want to on that note too. You mentioned um, you know that we have like a genuine connection because of our our experiences with relationships, and I want to share too. I hope you guys liked that interview, and I hope that that was more in alignment with what you meant when you said like give us more content about narcissism or sociopaths or or trauma or toxic relationships. But I want to share, too, that it's really important to me to make sure that you guys know 
that the theme of the Enough podcast will always be worth and boundaries and rebuilding your life from adversity. So when I talk about beauty and when I talk about pop culture or whatever else, for me, that was and still is a huge part of my rebuilding process. So beauty is a passion of mine and feeling comfortable in my own skin helped me to heal from trauma. And I like to share that with other people and having a glass of wine with my mom on Monday nights when I lived with my parents and we would, you know, tune into The Bachelor gave me something to look forward to in a really dark time. So when I talk about things that aren't directly related to narcissism, just know that they are indirectly related because they played a role in my rebuilding and in my healing. So that's not me straying away from the theme, but it's me showing you that there are so many ways to find yourself again after going through something really hard, and that's going to look different for everyone. So I just wanted to share that, and I'm really happy that we did that interview, and I hope that makes sense to everybody. Yeah, agreed. All right, let's do the moment you've all been waiting for. <laughs> let's talk about Free Britney. Yes. I'm here in one of my Britney shirts. Um, actually, before I dive into this, I'll say another Britney shirt that I have. I, I moved out, obviously. I got my own house. I haven't talked about that on this episode. I'll talk about that in another episode. The house is going great. I've just been busy doing home improvement. Um, but because I'm not at my parents' house, my mom has been texting me pictures of clothes saying, like, do you want to get rid of this? Do you want to get oh, rid gosh. of that? She texts me a shirt from seventh grade 2007 that was in seventh grade yeah and it said leave Britney alone I obviously can't fit into this shirt okay <laughs> it's from 2007 and I was like don't you dare get rid of that shirt yeah it is unfortunately still relevant today yeah. that is a vintage keepsake right like, don't get rid of that shirt but yeah here we are leave Britney alone save Britney free Britney so I first would like to say, and Jordan is going to have this conversation with me because she's very educated on the Free Britney movement. We yes. had a whole conversation about it the second I walked in the I did my research. Today. Yes. I would first like to say, and of course I just have to throw this in there and like be a hipster about this and be annoying, this isn't news, okay? This is very old information, and it's just now getting the attention it deserves, probably because of social media, which I understand, right? So in 2007, with the umbrella and with shaving her head, we weren't on Instagram. We were learning about these things about Britney Spears because of paparazzi and because of magazines and, you know, maybe even the news, right? But now that we have it at our fingertips and people are seeing Britney posting things on Instagram and they're noticing that it's odd, like this is getting attention when it's been a problem. It's been a situation for a very long time. So I've been trying to talk about this for years and no one's listening to me and they think I'm being dramatic or making excuses for her or something. But I have to say I'm equally frustrated and disheartened that like, Five million people in my life, it seems, are texting me and they're asking me about what's going on with her because I'm like, were you not listening to me before? Have you just been making fun of her mental illness on Instagram instead of listening to me when I tried to tell you that she's really going through it? Like, clearly. Okay, I'm off my soapbox. Here's the rundown. Britney Spears was placed in what's called a conservatorship. Now, Jordan, feel free to chime in at any time. Yeah. This took place after her public breakdown, okay? So this is not something that is news. This is something that is generally placed upon people who are mentally and physically incapable of making their own decisions, right? Mm -hmm. So an example would be someone with dementia, um, someone with severe disabilities. And what this means is that she does not have control over her life, and I mean that quite literally. She does not have control over her medical decisions, which is concerning because if you follow her on Instagram or if you or keep up with pop culture at all, you can see that she is posting some things that allude to the fact that she is um, 
like unrecognizable, honestly, in appearance and behavior. So she clearly needs medical attention and she's not able to make her own medical con medical decisions. So that's concerning. She does not see her children. I think that technically, legally, she has 30% custody of them. Mm -hmm. um, the issue, though, is that her father allegedly, um, like, physically assaulted. I, I think he hit Preston, the older one, Sean Preston. And um, Kevin Federline made a big deal about it, of course. And now they and, are. Yeah, as, a, as a dad should. As a dad should, <laughs> right. Um, and now they are with their dad, which actually I, I, this happened after I met the boys, but I was in an elevator with the boys two years ago. And we're going to talk about that. Um, they, she can't control her own money and Jordan will get into this. She can do so a little bit more eloquently than I can. <laughs> but the reason why it's very concerning that she can't control her own money is because since she's been placed in this conservatorship, she has released four albums, she has been in a residency, and she has been on tour. So it's very concerning that she's not in control of her money or of her career. Um, she's essentially on house arrest. She can't get married. She can't get pregnant. She can't have any authority over how she spends her money, where she goes, or what she does. Um, I also learned that when she collaborated with Iggy Azalea on a song that Iggy had to have her entire house searched like very invasively for drugs because anybody that has any involvement with Britney um, is not treated like a normal business relationship or even a normal person because that team is you know all up on her so yeah. the reason why this is so prominent right now in news is kind of twofold um, number one because of Instagram and social media Britney obviously if you guys have if you haven't been following her, then you might not know what I mean, but here's an example. She posted a video um, saying that she burned her gym down, that she had two candles and one thing led to another and she burned her gym down. And then she proceeds to show us how she exercises and, and you know, she does all this modeling in her house of these little clothes and she does a lot of like mo very, very abstract and modern dancing and it's like, it's not the Britney Spears that, you know, we know and love because she's so clearly gone from from the person that we think we know so basically that's one of the reasons is social media and the other is that this is supposed to go to court very soon so um, the free Britney movement essentially is pushing for this conservatorship to be lifted from her to give mm -hmm. her the ability to make her own medical decisions to have the opportunity to um, get you know more custody of her children and to have control over her money and of her career so I'm gonna let Jordan fill in the gaps on that because she came yeah. prepared today <laughs> and I'm just gonna let her give you more tea yeah well I mean I had found I had seen a post on Instagram the other day that was just a really like a multi slide breakdown I saw it too. of yeah of what's going on and 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 the cause of it and what she's able to do so on this post there's just for for context here's a this is a list of things that I'm so glad that you're about to read this because yeah. I was going to pull it up yeah so, go so ahead. this is just a list of anything she is not allowed to do without her father's permission or he can legally lock her in a mental facility Ugh. so hold on hold hold on to your seats <laughs> she cannot drive a car, vote, get married, have children, spend her own money, see how her own money is being spent. You mentioned it, see her children. She can't even leave her home. She can't hire her own lawyer. I believe her lawyer is someone that her dad has chosen for her. Right. So 
who knows if she can actually legitimately trust that. She can't have any control over her career. She can't speak about the conservatorship publicly. She can't do interviews that aren't scripted and all final cuts need to be reviewed and, her, and approved by her father. She can't use a cell phone without being monitored. She can't use social media unmonitored. She can't contact anyone without being monitored or have them extremely vetted. You referenced Iggy Azalea, like that's an example of that. She can't even go shopping. She can't even like, go for a walk outside without getting approval or get um or like accompaniment with her so it's just she's she's been trapped we've been dealing with quarantining and like covid for four months she's been like this for about like over a decade for like 13 14 years now and it's and it's it's heartbreaking to see all of it and it's infuriating to see what someone can do and what someone is capable of when given power and control over somebody else and and I think one thing that you mentioned, like seeing some kind of concerning things about her on social media, I think it's 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 a really my understanding and my look at it is that it's 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 we're now seeing this and who she is and and how she's dealing with this stuff and how she could have potentially been like morphed because of because of all of, be dealing with all of this stuff and its effect on her and it's and it's it's something that like. It, it's tough to think about because I had seen her multiple times when I was a kid. My mom used to take us to see her in New York all the time. Um, and it's it's hearing all that stuff and hearing, like, how much of that is actually her. Like, how much, uh, how much have we fallen in love with that's actually her? Like, there were so many examples of her and what she's done. And even, like, in her songs, like, it's her trying to communicate to the world. Like, she's literally in a cage in how many music videos and, like, talking about being trapped and held down in so many of her songs from when we were in middle school from yeah. like I was in middle school in 2003 like I was hearing these songs then like, I think about piece of me and obviously blackout would be um that was during this time uh, that album and with piece of me I think about her you know the line I miss American dream since I was 17 and you know, that song is all about the paparazzi chasing her and not giving her a break. And she's literally just trying to walk on the street with her kid and they're harassing her. If you've, you know, seen the video going around where she's in the McDonald's drive through and there's like 15 paparazzi between mm -hmm. her car window and the McDonald's window and she can't catch a break. Yeah. And that's that has to be. You like know, that gives me anxiety just hearing about like, yes, that and for people to say, Oh, you signed so up long. for this, yes, and no, like she, she was a kid, <laughs> yeah. And I don't think you can actually honestly say that she signed up for it because she's been in like the Mickey Mouse Club, what when she was like eight or something, right? And Star Search, and you don't fully, that. you don't fully know what the heck you want to eat. I mean, I just wanted a peanut butter jelly sandwich when I was eight, like, right, right. <laughs> and I think for any regular, healthy-minded person that it's easy to understand why that would take a toll on you. But imagine having mental illness, okay? Yeah. So she's come out and publicly said that she has bipolar. Um, some people speculate that she suffers from schizophrenia. Whatever it may be, imagine being harassed 24-7 for nearly your entire life, okay? Mm -hmm. And what we're all experiencing right now with quarantine and COVID and mental health, and that's all very real, it's absolutely real. Imagine experiencing that for over a decade. Yeah. 
And that's why when she is marching around in her house doing fashion shows, she's literally basically on house arrest, you guys. Mm -hmm. Like, that's why she's doing that. So we're seeing her spiraling because she is spiraling, because she is at home and she is is kept there. And this is why I, I this is why I met her. This is why I spent three thousand dollars basically, mm -hmm. I, it's a little bit less than that, to go meet my idol, because I knew I was like, there is a very small chance that she would ever do a meet and greet again. This yeah. is my time. And I will never forget that. And I will always cherish that share, cherish that picture. And when I you know, was in an elevator with her kids, I was freaking out. And I remember thinking, I was like, wow, I'm so glad her kids are here, like able to be here with her. Yeah. Now, granted, her dad was there when I was there. Um, I did see him. I was not close to him, but I did see him there with the kids. And um, it's just, it's sad. Like Britney Spears is a real person. So I went to Ole Miss, obviously, and she was born and raised in Kentwood, Louisiana, which is on the state line um, for Macomb, Mississippi. Actually, she was born in Macomb, Mississippi. She was raised in Kentwood, Louisiana. And they went to school, the kids went to school at Park Lane. They went to school in Mississippi. And I remember being in school when I first got to college and for the first time realizing like, oh, there are people here who know Britney Spears. Like there are people here who know her family mm -hmm. and they do. And, yeah. and she's just a real person, you guys. Like she is not, uh, like a fairy in a in a faraway land mm -hmm. like she's real this is real mental health this is real legal stuff like it is sad yeah yeah i th i think it's uh there's something to be said for social media has positive and negative effects on on things i think what one thing positively that it's that it's allowed that it's done is allowing these celebrities that were previously like unreachable there's no shot in hell that you could talk to someone or let alone like message them or I mean obviously it, come, it can come with in social media with like a barrage of horrible things that people say but you're you see these people in such a different light those that are like willing to be open and real and, and share stuff out on the internet you can see who they actually are right and I think the heartbreaking thing with Britney is that you are you are seeing now the effects of such horrible trauma for such a long time mm -hmm. I think I think you're seeing her reaching out to the world and everyone's like concerned like people are concerned for her and they and it's rightfully so yeah like, I think it too it's worth like thinking about examples like when she was supposed to do her domination residency after the piece of me residency and all of a sudden right before she was supposed to start that uh, she you know released a statement saying that with her dad's illness, she needed to be with him and wasn't able to continue and you know proceed with the residency. And it's like, well, now that we have more information on the fact that she doesn't control anything about her life, what was the real answer? It's not to say that he didn't have a health concern, but is that something that they said, you know, to mask the fact that yeah. she wasn't allowed to make that decision freely? So yeah. it's. I think the thing people don't realize about Britney Spears, and I know everybody makes fun of me for being obsessed with her. But Britney Spears was a vocalist. Yeah. Britney Spears is not just a pop star that dances around. Britney Spears was a talent. Britney Spears, in her Star Search video, had such a wonderful voice. She 
actually created her whole persona of, you know, just like being sexual and being um, a, a good hip hop dancer, which, by the way, she was a basketball player, so it kind of makes so sense that she'd be a good hip hop dancer. There's legitimacy in that first Hit Me Baby One More Time music video. That, that was her, her idea. actually playing basketball. That was her I idea because she's she was point guard, yes. actually, which is kind of funny because she's my height, so it's kind of <laughs> tall to be a point guard. But um, she actually is very shy. So she created an alter ego. Yeah. And that persona that you see on stage of being sexual and, and liberated and free and a, a fun dancer and having, you know, fun pop songs, she is actually quiet as a mouse. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's brilliant. Like, I think that, that that gave young girls, that gave me, you know, the the liberation to just, like, be me and to dance freely and to have fun and it's all because she so carefully has you know crafted or her people have crafted however you want to look at it mm -hmm. this amazingly wildly successful pop star yeah. and musician I'll call her a musician that's what she is you know roll your eyes if you want to but if you want to talk a little bit about the voice yeah, it's yeah. Crazy. So, uh, yeah, a whole other thing that was pretty wild that I, that I had previously like not really known about. Like, she originally like vocally when she had first started, and you said I think discussing prior to recording, you had seen it, you could see it in the Star Search video of her having a significantly like deeper voice. Like she, it was sometimes compared to more of a Christina Aguilera voice, but it was tough because both the Mickey Mouse Club, both grow, coming up at the same time kind of thing. I guess marketing-wise and pop star-wise, they told her she couldn't sing that way. So they had forced her into this this squeaky, kind of lighter, higher-pitched voice that you that you do hear and because they wouldn't let her sing the way she wanted to sing and the way she could sing. Right. So it's like, it's like she's been kind of controlled and manipulated from such a young age that it's had damage to her vocal cords, and it's like it has to have had damage. I'm like, look at it, it like has this. Have an effect on it. Around the same exact time, Christina Aguilera hits that note and gets reflection yeah. on Mulan, and that launches her career. Christine, or sorry, excuse me, Britney Spears releases Baby One More Time, which, by the way, that concept for that music video was her idea. That music video was shot in the same high school as Greece. Oh yeah, but. That was a sexual, um, oh my God, what the heck am I watching at the time? Yeah, it was like a renaissance for her, which came about like five, six years yeah. earlier than Christina And they came from the same place, you guys. Yeah. They came from Mickey Mouse Club. It's like, that's not a, that's not a coincidence that yeah. they were just two different styles. Like, that's, that's what it's like when you're a minor and you have adults controlling your life. Mm -hmm. And then from there, that's essentially what Britney Spears has experienced all of her life. Yeah, and, and it's, it's kind of heartbreaking to think that like, at, at, at this point, I feel like she might not even, she might not have any idea of what she, and how, how crazy it is, like how, not how crazy it is, just like how unnatural what she's dealing with is, because it's probably all she's ever experienced. Like her parents were her managers since she was a kid. Right. Like it's, it's heartbreaking. It's tough. Right. I don't know. It just sucks to see. Not to, you know, also to bring up like every person individually has trauma like her parents were divorced her niece almost died like there's so she was divorced right like she's had broken off engagements like there's so many things that a regular person experiences as trauma has to process and imagine having that on a magnified scale for the world to watch like 
I just have so much empathy for Brittany. You guys know I love Brittany. I hope that this cleared up any questions that you had. If you have more questions or more info, feel free to send that our way. But we wanted to make sure that we touched on this because it was a very requested question. So yeah. free Brittany. All right. So for the book and the quote, I ordered six books the other day. I'm not going to lie. Nice. Um, I don't know if this is allowed, but it's my own podcast. So of course it's allowed. I would like to recommend a book I haven't read yet. I just ordered it and I know I'm going to love it. And by the time this episode is out, I might have read it. I don't know. I'll report back. But it's Untamed by Glennon Doyle. I have it in um, my life. It's, uh, have you read it? Or no, listened to it? I just got it. So the library, uh, if you have a library card, it allows access to like their whole e-library. It just downloaded to my iPad the other day. Does she? Read I haven't the started reading it because I like her voice. There is, yeah, it exists in both audiobook and ebook form oh, from oh, the library. Okay. Yeah, got it, got so it, I downloaded it. the the ebook of it. So for those of you who are not familiar, um, I haven't read it, so I won't talk about it too much because that wouldn't make any sense. But um, Glennon Doyle is married to Abby Wambach, and they um, or Glennon talks about in this book like kind of. Um, coming into herself and who she actually is and releasing so much of what she actually wasn't but had been, um, you know, living in a world of what other people wanted her to be. I'm, I'm, is that the mm. gist? Is that a yeah, good way of yeah, explaining it? Yeah, that's my understanding Okay, it. yeah. Um, but we're going to put it on the resources tab. I'm really excited to read it. Hopefully on the next episode I'll be able to tell you guys how it was. But I'm seeing it all over Instagram, so it almost didn't make sense to pick any other book today because that's like the book of the moment. I wanted to recommend it as soon as possible to you guys. And if you've read it, I would love your feedback. So send us a message. I also just started following her on Instagram. She's a great follow. I love her IGTVs. Yeah. And the quote we're going to end off with today is actually a quote from her. I actually didn't know that. I thought it was a quote from Caitlin Bristow. And okay. then when I looked it up, it actually is a quote from this book. Just like ironically. Yeah. Like, total like irony here. Um, but it says, if you can't beat fear, just do it scared. And I love that. I think it's, you know, it kind of pertains to this episode today. Um, you know, thinking back to our interview with Tara and like, obviously she went through something terrifying and she, she persevered scared and she survived, you mm -hmm. know, and I, and even just like some of the little silly stuff we shared today, just like about like our own personal lives in quarantine. Like it's really scary to have this kind of uncertainty and not know like when we're going to be able to do certain things again or what life looks like moving forward. And we're just kind of like doing the best we can anyway. So I thought that quote was cool. I actually found it from Caitlin Bristow when she released her song, which by the way, well, I don't want to share my opinion on that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but all right, we're wrapping up here. This was a long one. Episode 22 is coming to an end. If you liked what you heard today, please subscribe, share with a friend. If you have comments, questions, anything you want us to address on the podcast or anything you want us to share, please email us at podcast at enoughbiz.com. That's podcast at enoughbiz.com. You can also DM us on Instagram at the enough podcast. Make sure you check out our website, enoughbiz.com. And for 10% off your first month of online counseling, go to trybetterhelp.com slash enough. For today, that's enough, and we'll catch you next time.